Vineyard Church. As Lyndon says, my name is Craig, and I am uh, privileged enough to be part of the leadership team here at Maharangi Vineyard, and it gives me great joy to be able to bring this message to you this morning. Um, and yeah, it is something that's kind of been stirring on my heart for a while now, and um, yeah, I really feel privileged to be able to kind of share some of that with you this morning. I don't have much time to go because when I practice it this week, I ran pretty tight on time, so I'm going to kick straight into it. The year was 2009, and um, there was this girl that I'd spent a little bit of time with, and we had just had this week, we were part of our church uh, doing a holiday club, and uh, we had just spent some time um, actually really making a good connection over the point of that week. Now, leading up to that, I had uh, asked her out to coffee not one time, not two times, possibly three, maybe four, I don't know. But each time she politely declined, I wore it on the chin, I was like, oh, okay, persistence. But this week we just had a really good connection, so I'm like, I'm going again, I'm going to give it a bash. So I did something that probably every person, but um, I'm going to talk from a guy's perspective, every guy has done at some point in their life, and you do that little circle, you're like, oh, am I going to do it? No. And you do the lap, and you come back around, and you think, oh, get it, get the phone out, type the tech, no, not going to send it, that's lame. Pick it up, go again, oh, no, not today, I don't know, what if she says no, what happens if it makes it awkward, even more awkward? But anyway, I mustered up the confidence, sent the text, you'll never believe where I invited her to. To the zoo. <laughs> I know, smooth, really smooth, really smooth. And you know what it's like, well, I you know, hope you know what it's like. You send the text, you're like, oh, why hasn't she responded? It's been like seven seconds. <laughs> Has she read it? Read it? Oh, yeah, read, typing, no, those dots. You're like, ah, what's going on? Just respond. And in that moment and in that awkwardness, you're like, oh, how's it going to go? What's it going to be like? Well, as they say, the rest is history. I got to marry the girl. <laughs> got the three beautiful kids. And the, I guess the, the reason why I share that story is that everyone will know that moment in your life where you're like, ah, oh, should I? Shouldn't I? What happens if it's awkward? What happens if it doesn't pan out the way that I want it to pan out? You know, what happens if I get rejected? It's daunting. It's, it's a little bit, you know, a little bit scary. So, oh yeah, thanks so much, Quentin. So, <coughs> And I guess why I share that story is that if we as a people believe that the risk is worth the reward, we'll take the risk every time. But that's only if we believe that the risk is going to be worth the reward. You see, I want to invite us this morning into the greatest reward that we can offer anybody at any point in time, and that is the reward of heaven. You see, I want heaven to be more populated because of the lives that the people at Maharangi Vineyard lead. I want heaven to be more populated because of us as a community of people. So as we continue into this series of Lent um, and kind of journey a little bit further into it, and if you missed the last two weeks' messages, I really would encourage you to kind of go back and listen and kind of just hear some of the heart of Maharangi Vineyard. But what I want to pick up today is that we are a community, and we are a community of people that have been called to something greater than ourselves. 
what I really want to try and drive home today is that we, as a people, are God's plan A to reach the people of the Maharangi region, Auckland, and further into the world. And you see, I think a lot of us, or most of us, could probably acknowledge, yeah, we are God's plan A. He wants to use us. He says in his scripture, he wants to make fishes, you know, fishes of men, fishermen of men. He wants, to make, wants us to make disciples that make disciples. So I think a lot of us can acknowledge it, maybe with our heads, maybe a little bit with our hearts. But sometimes we get to that point where we do the lap. And we're like, oh, should I, should I speak to that person? Should I invite them to church? Oh, what happens if it gets awkward? What happens if that relationship with my co-worker gets awkward after, after I you know, extend that invitation? What happens if it just gets weird? So maybe I just won't do anything, and maybe I won't say anything. This morning, I'd like to spend a bit of time in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And again, I wish I had more time to kind of go through the whole passage of Scripture. But I'm only going to be able to kick off from kind of verse 19. But I want to give you some pretext and maybe some context to the Scripture that we're going to go through this morning. Paul was operating in the city of Corinth and the people of Corinth were like, we don't know who our leader is. Like, is it Cephas? Is it you, Paul? You say you're an apostle, but are you an apostle? You're not getting paid for your ministry. You're making tents during the day and then you're preaching the gospel by night. Like, who do we follow? Like, who is the person that we've got to follow? Because we're a little bit confused. And what Paul was saying is saying, yes, I am an apostle and not appointed by myself, but appointed by God. But what he was saying is that even though I have every single right to draw a salary or for the church of Corinth to fund my ministry, I will not take a cent. And the reason why he says that, he's saying, if, it's gonna, if, I, if he takes money from the church and this causes conflict or confusion and it sidetracks the mission of the people of Corinth coming to know Jesus, he says, then I, I won't take a dime. And that's kind of where we kick off with what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19. So I'm going to read it. It's up on the um, board, as you know. I'm a school teacher, so the slides are helpful more for me than for you. Um, and again, luckily, I get to dress up during the week. So if I'm a bit casual this morning, I do apologize, but I'm trying to enjoy the seven days of summer we got this year. So Paul says, For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews, I became a Jew in order to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though myself not being under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside of the law, I became one outside of the law, not myself being outside of the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. Then he goes on to say something really significant. I have become all things to all people, by all, that by all means I might save just some. And I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I might share its blessings. 
such a powerful piece of scripture, such a, like, such a vision into the life that Apostle Paul lived and the life that he's calling us to live. I just want to go through the same passage of scripture, but written by Eugene Peterson in his translation in the message. Um, and I just find it a really incredible translation of this scripture. He says, even though I'm free of the demands and expectations of everyone. So he's saying, I'm free from the demands. I'm not doing it to be liked. I'm not doing it to gain you know, any kind of street cred with you. I'm free from the demands and expectations of everyone. But he's saying, I have voluntarily become a servant to any and all in order to try and reach a wide range of people. The religious, the non-religious, the meticulous moralists, the loose-living immoralists, the defeated, the demoralized, whoever. Again, he makes it very clear. I didn't take on their way of life. I didn't do all of the stuff that they were doing. You know, if they were going for a big night out, binging on a Saturday, he's saying, I did that to try and win them over. He says, I kept my bearings in Christ. But what he did do, and what he says there, is I entered into their world and tried to experience things from their point of view. I've become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempt to lead those that I meet into a God-saved life. <clears throat> I did this all for the message. And again, he just ends it with a real, you know, perla. I didn't want to just talk about it. I wanted to be in on it. Maharangi Vineyard, I don't know if you know, but one of the founding principles or values from John Wimber in the Vineyard Movement is that, you know, he said everyone gets to play. Everyone gets to be in on the action. You see, my hope is that as a church, we'd be a people who want to get in on the action, that we want to be in on it. We don't want to just talk about it. We actually want to do this stuff. And I genuinely believe that if we as a community of people live out these passages of Scripture, we'll see our community changed, we'll see our wider community and city being impacted by the gospel of Jesus. I've only got two points for you this morning, because um, I know, again, it's been a short summer, so I'm sure many of you want to get going. But, yeah, I'll try to keep it short. The first point that I have for you is that we have to infiltrate culture before we can influence culture. Okay? We have to infiltrate culture before we can influence culture. You see, we have to get into the culture of the people that we're trying to win if we want to shape the culture. Why? Why, do you ask? Well, you can't steer the ship if you're sitting outside the ship. What does this practically look like? Paul says, I, I'm, I'm a slave to no one, but I'm a servant to all. So when I'm with the Jews, and the Jews are like, oh, can we eat this? Can we eat that? Can't we eat this? And I'm with the Jews. Even though I can eat whatever I want to eat, I'll abstain. I'll hold back. Because I don't want to cause confusion or conflict. So I won't do it. Not because I'm trying to, again, look good or that I'm going to, you know, look cool or whatever it might be, but actually that I can get into their world 
with the ultimate plan of leading them to Christ. That's his goal. His goal isn't to try and cause some theological debates. I can eat it. If I want to eat it, I can eat it. But you guys don't want to eat it, so I'm not going to eat it. And I just want to get into your world a little bit. He says, to those under the law, I became one under the law. You see, with people, and I'm sure we all know this about people, is that adaptability, I mean, Adaptability, our ability to adapt, leads to credibility. Adaptability leads to credibility. You see, if you're trying to win people over for the gospel, and you just play the same play with whoever it is, with a different group, different people, and you just play the same play time after time, you're going to start to lose a bit of traction. You see, you have to study the people or the person or the group of people that you're trying to win over to Christ. You have to spend a little bit of time getting invested in who they are. Ultimately, what we're trying to do, what you try to do is to try and find a connection point with somebody because conversation and relationship allows an opportunity for someone to see Christ in me. Tam and I will tell you, we, we hate basketball. Like, we hate basketball. It is... It's a foreign sport, like, I know, sorry, crucify me, I know. But we've got some friends that are really into basketball, and we're trying to build a connection with them. So guess what sport we're into now? <laughs> basketball. Yeah, breakers lost this week after playing five finals. That's, we've learned that, five finals. <laughs> like, I don't know who does that, but anyway, we're learning. But again, we're just trying to find a connection point. We don't love basketball, and maybe we'll grow to like it and find something spectacular about it. But actually, our goal is to make connection. So when we hang out the next time, and it's like, oh, how was the game? Yeah, we're learning. Look, how was that shot? I don't know. Okay, but it's all about a connection point. And if we want to invest in people, and we want people to build relationships and connection, we have to actually learn what they might be into or the stuff that they enjoy. Because if we enjoy the stuff that they enjoy, we've got a connection point and relationship built from that. And then they can see, the, you know, they can see Jesus in you. Okay. Probably easier than you know, standing outside with a sign or I don't know. I won't get into that. <laughs> but we have to infiltrate culture if we want to influence culture. You see, we can't sit without arm's length away, and sit here in the community center on a Sunday and be like, hey guys, the light's over here, it's in here, come on in. We just hold people at a distance. We've got to ask ourselves, how are we getting in the trenches with the people that we're trying to win over to Christ? How are we caring about the things that other people care about? Because that is ultimately what's going to get them here. Not us shouting from here on a Sunday Morning. Oh, lights in here. Come on over. My second point is the gospel isn't only meant to be experienced, but it's meant to be participated in. Yes, the gospel is good news, and we must experience the gospel in all of its fullness, in all of its glory, and everything that it's worth, because it is the good news that saves us. The gospel is the good news that makes us from dead to life. And, and we can't ignore that, and we can't step away from that, and we must experience the gospel in all of its fullness. But we need to understand that a rescue boat came down from heaven, and it saved us and allowed us to get in, but man, there's a lot more spaces on that boat. 
It's not a two-seater. It's not a one-seater. It's not just for, for our families. Yes, it is for them, but man, it's for a whole lot more people. You see, if we came to us, more people should be getting on this. And yes, we are a church that's called to come here on a Sunday and experience the goodness of God, but man, we shouldn't leave here and then only come back next Sunday and kind of live this life of Sunday to Sunday. You see, we are called to come and experience God on a Sunday morning, worship Him, be filled by His Spirit and filled up with His love, but ultimately that's for us to be kind of catapulted back into our communities, back into our workplaces, back into our schools, so we can go and be the light that Jesus so desperately needs us to be. So when we gather back next Sunday and these empty seats are filled up, there's a new family there, you go and speak to them, oh, how did you find out about us? Oh, so-and-so from work, they you know, invested in us, we've been spending some time with them, so we came along. Oh, those empty seats at the back. Oh, who are you guys? Oh, yeah, no. You know, I've been hanging out with that family from your church and, you know, they said there's a really cool, epic kids program over the road or, you know, amped, and we really want our kids to be part of something like that. So, yeah, we decided to come along. and We start to fill some of the gaps and we start to fill some of the seats. You see, this is the life and the vision that we are called to as we get to be followers of Jesus. You see, one of my favorite things about being a high school teacher is the ability that I've had to coach sports over the last, how many years, who knows. And what I really enjoy about it and what I enjoy about teenagers is if at the beginning of the season I had to be like, all right, boys, practice Tuesdays, Thursdays, but this season we're not going to play any games. Turn up next Tuesday, how many boys are going to be there? Yeah, I don't know, probably not even me. Okay, but people play sport they don't, to play the game, ultimately. Like, the practice is good, but they're not going to come and do fitness and conditioning and, you know, all that to not play the game. We practice, that's what we do on a Sunday, to go and play the game. And that's our opportunity. If we're just going to practice, and that's my fear, if we become a community of people that just come here on a Sunday and practice church and run through our program and sing our songs, but we don't go out into our communities, and we're just practicing church. You see, we get to play. Jesus invites us to play. We are his plan A to take the gospel into the Mahorangi region. You see, I want to be a part of a church that, yes, gathers here every single Sunday but I also want to be a church or a community of people that understands that your greatest moment to share the gospel might be in a boardroom on a Thursday morning that no one else in this room has access to but you. God has uniquely placed you in that workplace, in that meeting with those people with the ultimate goal of letting you be the light in your workspace or wherever it is, your mom's group. You get to hang out with those women or those moms You get to be the light in that space. Not all of us have access to that, but you do. And you need to be the light that the world or this Mahurangi region so desperately needs. You see, God has uniquely placed each and every one of us where we are. And you see, the responsibility cannot and it should not just fall on Angela and Lyndon. 
Yes, they lead this church incredibly well. And they do an incredible job of preaching the gospel Sunday to Sunday. But it's not their responsibility to take a gospel out into the city. They don't have access to the same people that you have access to. They don't have relationships with the same people that you have relationships with. The responsibility is on us. If those people in your life are going to know that you are sat here this morning at church on a Sunday, they're not going to be the ones to tell them. You're going to be the ones to tell them. And it might not just be one-off. It might be a relationship that takes time over a couple of weeks, months, potentially even years. But that is my heart for the community of people that we are in. See, if we want to see this part of Auckland that we are in changed, we're going to have to step into this as a church. Is it risky? Yep. Could it be awkward? Probably will be. Is it going to cost us something? We look at the Apostle Paul, it cost him something, it cost him a lot. You see, so often what we do, because we think it's going to be hard, what's going to cost us our time, is we just seclude, or we just take ourselves out, we put our heads down, and we're like, oh, please just wake me up when we get to heaven, Jesus. You see, what happens, and uh, it's not everybody, and it's not every church, but I, I guess what happens so often is that you get saved, and you come into a community of people, and you begin to form this holy huddle, and you surround yourself with people that are like-minded. And, and it's a good thing. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it's, it's a bad thing. Like, we need community. And we need people of the same faith in our community to build us up and encourage us. But, man, what, what so often happens is we become this consumer church that just wants to consume and take and take. But, but we don't want to give. We don't want to give of our time. We don't want to, you know, give of ourselves. Just like, oh, we'll just stay in our little holy huddle. And again, it's like, oh, yeah, you go to church how many times a month? Oh, yeah, you can come in. Yeah, come in. Oh, yeah, you know the New Hill song? song? Yeah, yeah, you can come in. <laughs> oh, you did what? You're, you're addicted to what? You were where last night? Look, you just wait over there. There will be a day that you can come in. Okay, but today is not the day. You just need to work, you know, fix yourself up a little bit. And there will be a day that you can come in here. Like, you know, Jesus loves you for sure. But yeah, like just, just sort some of those things out. And we sit in here. I'll just use the community center as an example. But turn on our little torches and we're like, hey, here's the light. I wonder when so-and-so is like ever going to come to church, you know. Oh, maybe if he brings his library book back at like, you know, maybe he'll just stumble into church on a Sunday morning. And maybe that is your experience, but that's, you know, that's not what God has in store for us. Oh, I wonder when God's going to start moving, like in Snell's Beach and Walkworth. It's just like, you know, things are really tough and there's so many marriages falling apart and, you know, there's, you know, kids that are, are, are just struggling and there's dads that are leaving or, Alcohol and drug problems. Like, I wonder when God's going to move, like in this region. 
you know, like I just can't, you know, I don't know. Do you think, has he lost his power? Jesus is like, no. This is good. What we do here on a Sunday is good. No doubt. But if Jesus was here, he would be here on a Sunday for sure. But then he would be out there. And we read the scriptures. Who did Jesus hang out with? Who did Jesus spend his time with? Who did Jesus seek after? Who did Jesus fight for? It wasn't the religious people that just were like, oh, no, you can come in, you can't. You see, if Jesus is on the move, and he is on the move, then we as a community of people should want to be right behind him. You see, there are literally thousands of people out there that are lost, that are hurting, that are broken, that are looking for a solution any which way they can find. People are hurting. And we can't just hope that they're going to stumble into church on a Sunday morning. We have to go out into the trenches and build relationships with these people and invest in these people and it might take a little bit of discomfort and a little bit of time outside of our comfort zones but that's the life that we are called to. You see, this is the whole point of the gospel. The, the world will never believe our lie if we just hold people at an arm's length and be like, yes, yeah, yeah, Jesus loves you just as you are and he can save you just as you are. But, but we're not going to accept you. We're not going to welcome you in. But he does. We are the gospel. We are this plan A. If we love them, they're going to feel his love. He's not, they're not going to feel Jesus' love if we don't love them. Jesus is saying no. No, no, no. You are the plan. And you are the plan. And you are the plan. And we as a community are the plan. Jesus could have done it a billion different ways. He could have had any other plan that he wanted, but he chose us. He chose us as his people. We got to experience his goodness. We got to experience his gospel, but now we get to participate. Now we get to take that good news that we've so gracefully received and just didn't deserve it, but now we get to take that good news into our communities. You're like, but but how, Craig? I work in IT. Amazing. You're an evangelist who happens to be good at IT. I work for Auckland Council. I deal with grumpy people all day. I know that because we phoned Auckland Council this week and we were grumpy. (laughs) Amazing. You work for Auckland Council. You have been given a Holy Spirit assignment from God to be the light at Auckland Council, where you get to be a light, where no one else in this community of people gets to be a light. God has placed you there so uniquely. And man, I want you to believe that this morning when you walk out of here, that your, your, your job or, or what you do day to day, week to week, the people that you're involved with, you're so uniquely placed there. And I know, like you can, mundane, like work, week to week, the weeks fly by. But man, like you are so uniquely placed there. And you get to be a representative for God. 
We ultimately all have the same job. It just works itself out a little bit differently for each of us. And I know, like, I'm, I know the rebuttal. I know that, you know, there'll be people that will be sat here and say, well, where do I begin? Like, what do I say? How, how do I do it? What if I don't have the answer that they have, have a question to? Like, what do I do? I just don't feel confident enough. I don't back myself enough. What do I do? I know that kept me off the sideline for a really long time and probably keeps me on the sideline some days as well. Just to be clear, like I, I preached this message to myself this morning. This is not like condemnation on the congregation. This is to me, and you guys just get to hear my thoughts to myself this week. Because it's hard. It's not easy. But can I just relieve the tension in the room a little bit? The world does not need you to be perfect. The world just needs you to be present. <clears throat> and I'll say that again. The world does not need you to be perfect. The world just needs you to be present. You see, you don't need to be able to explain the divine depth of the Holy Trinity on your first hangout with whoever it is. But man, if you're in their living room when their marriage is on the rocks and you're just there, you're present. It speaks way more volumes and way louder than being able to explain the depths of the Holy Trinity. You see, you don't have to have seminary training to do that. You don't have to solve the theological conundrums in the world. But man, if you're in that hospital waiting room, when their kid is in a, getting a diagnosis for something that's really, they've really been struggling with, or someone's really sick, or and you're in that hospital waiting room, you're present. If you're a shoulder to cry on, a hug to give, you make a meal for them. There are so many outworkings of this where you just need to be present. You just need to be there when their backs are up against the wall. They feel like the world is crumbling in on them and you're just present. You're just there. You don't have the answers as to why their child is sick or why they're going through what they're going through, but you're there. They'll begin to see the light of the gospel. see Jesus on the move. Jesus wants to get out into this region and he wants to get into the brokenness. He wants to get into the failing marriages. He wants to get into the chaos and the hurt and the pain. We can't just sit in here Sunday to Sunday, but we need to get out on the move with him. See, this is what Paul displayed for us in this passage of scripture. It's going to be tough it's going to cost you personally. It's not going to be easy. You're going to have to give up some of your time. Okay? If you're hanging out in a hospital room, it's probably going to throw your week a little bit. Okay? It's probably going to mess up your schedule. It will, and it will be tough, and it will be emotionally taxing. But if you believe that the risk is worth the reward, you will do it every time. You see, when I stand before Jesus one day, and I want to look behind me, and I just want to see a line of people getting into the kingdom of heaven. I want heaven to be more populated because of us at Mahurangi Vineyard. I'm going to just call the band up as we land this plane.
We are the plan. This city is not going to change unless the people of God get out into the city and be the change that this city so desperately needs and loves people the way that Jesus loves us. You see, as we lead up to Easter, Jesus showed us this perfect act of this. On the cross of on Calvary Hill, he had every right to come down from the cross, hanging on the cross, saying, I'm done. This is too hard. This is too painful. I'm over it. I'm coming down. Can we do this another way? But he didn't. Why? He became weak so that he could win the weak. And who are the weak? That's us, it's me, it's you. We all fall short of the glory of God. What makes him God and us not is that he stayed up on the cross. He endured that pain so that he could enter into our worlds, so he could know what we go through when things get hard or when things get tough. He enters into our world so that he could win some sons and daughters. So as we've done, and as Lyndon said, there's just been a weekly challenge. Again, this week, the challenge is small. But my prayer this week as I was preparing for this, my prayer this morning was as I was speaking, as I was communicating some of this to you, that people would just start popping into your hearts, popping into your space, being like, oh yeah, I've really started building a relationship with so-and-so. Or I just see this guy every day. And I just feel like God may be saying, just have a conversation. Send that person a text. That's your challenge this week. Just send someone a text. Say hello. Invite them over for a meal. Meet someone for coffee. Outside of your normal friendship groups or your family groups, extend yourself out so that you can start to build bridges with people because those bridges lead to relationship. And relationship means that they get to see who you are and what makes you a little bit different as you begin to slowly shine the light of Jesus. So that's your challenge this week pray for them. If no one came onto your heart, I just pray that as we sing this last song that you just say, God, show me someone. Give me a name. Give me a face because I want to take the goodness of God into this community, into my workplace, into my school. How about we stand as we sing this last song? Father everlasting, the all-creating one, God all-